Reisenstein. Ray Haynes is in teaching on Passover. The blog is posted at the Reisenstein Facebook page, and I would imagine there is a link to it on victory915.com. And if you have Victory On Demand, as always, you can get the podcast after the show. Mm -hmm. Go to victoryondemand.net. The first part of Ray's teaching this morning, so powerful to give us a view of this Hebrew calendar year, 57775777, and what that means. Here is part two. Now, that song's a pretty good introduction to what we're going to talk about, how God carries you. And because, you know, the whole point of Passover is not to go back. It's not a history lesson. You know, this is <laughs> knowing more and more of the Bible or the lessons or the history. It's going to take you a little bit, but it's really not going to advance you. But Passover is very specific. You are to look back and you're to remember what God brought you through. Mm -hmm. So Amen. don't think about Moses and the Israelites and the Egyptians. This is you going through your life. And obviously your life is being lived right now, all right? So allow God to reveal to you how he's walking you through these things. And in this particular case, uh, I wanna, we're going to look at the, what's going on the periphery. You don't usually do this at Passover time, but this year is pretty much what Passover is about. So I'm shifting up how we teach this so you can relate a little bit more in your own life right now and kind of capture Passover. So they were slaves. How long were they in Egypt? Because you may be in situations, uh, you may be have some kind of physical issue that's been going on a long time. You may be in a struggle in your marriage that just seems to be going on forever. You may be facing something that just like you, you feel like a slave. Hmm. You know, you're you're a servant to something that you really don't want to be. You may be addicted. Could be a lot of things. So we're going to look at, and I want you to look at what God brought them through and so how they were trying to figure things out. And even today, people still argue about all this stuff of trying to figure it out. So I'm just going to give you a little insight, one perspective. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Now, it sounds like they're going to be slaves for 400 years. All right. But again, that wasn't what he said, but it was, in a sense, what he said. And here's what he said. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace, he's talking to Abraham, and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. So we started talking about 400 years. Now he's only talking about four generations, which is not 100 years. And he said, you're going to come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Now, a couple things in this verse. He's talking about a land not theirs, that they're going to be uh, enslaved and, and deal with some issues in. So uh, it does mean Egypt, but it also means Mesopotamia and Canaan area itself where they were, but strangers and they were afflicted. But most of the time, obviously, they were, they were afflicted in Egypt. 400 years is an interesting one because that didn't actually begin when they arrived in Egypt. That began with Ishmael. Hmm. You know, he was the son of Hagar, mm -hmm. which you might not know is she was an Egyptian. <laughs> so that bondage that started way back here, long before they ever got to Egypt, long before there was a Jacob, <laughs> long before there was an Isaac. Um, so when Ishmael son of Hagar the Egyptian, mocked and persecuted Isaac, who was five years old at the time. Um, that was 30 years after this first promise that was made to Abraham. It said in 400 years, boom. 
So 430 years after that promise, Israel came out of bondage. So you run into a lot of numbers in the Bible, and you're thinking, is God confused, or are they confused about the story? In Exodus 12, it says the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. So you had 400 years, now 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So when uh, Moses begins to explain things in verses here, the he's just adding clarity. The children of Israel aren't just the 12 sons of Jacob and their descendants. The promise of Genesis 13 was not made to Jacob, it was made to Abraham. And this passage is including Isaac and Abraham in the nation of Israel. And 430 years prior to the Exodus is when Abraham first lived in Egypt. So it's a little complicated, a little piece of history. But I wanted to give that to you because sometimes when we're in bondage, when we're in bad situations, what makes it so bad is we just lack clarity. We have no idea. It feels like this is going to go on forever. And we feel like God's made us a promise. I've got you. I've got you. But a lot of times we don't feel God. We feel bad, and it hurts, and we're going through tough times. So let me walk you through real quickly, because I want you to think of your history. Walk yourself back through your life here as you're thinking about this. So the total time that from when God made the promise to Abraham to the exodus of Moses is 430 years, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Abraham is 75 when he arrives in Canaan, and the promise is made. It's 1877 B.C. Ishmael is born 11 years later. Isaac is born 14 more years. Isaac is weaned and mocked by Ishmael five years, so that's 30 years have gone by. Jacob is born 55 years later. Joseph is then born 91 years later. Joseph is sold into slavery when he's 17. And Joseph is made second in command of Pharaoh when he's 30. And then nine years later, Jacob and his family, just 70 people, come to Egypt. That is 215 years after the promise. So all of that was spent not in Egypt, but in and out of Egypt and around Canaan and other places. All right. So if you're in a situation, we're trying to figure out, goodness, God, where is your promise and how is it being fulfilled in this? Realize that sometimes it's, it's in, the, in the flowing out of God's promises, it looks a little different than how you see it in your mind. So what's amazing about this is their slavery was 215 years, still a long time. But think about this. When Joseph arrives there, he lives 71 more years. A new pharaoh comes in and slaves the Israelites. His name is Amos and uh, father of Amenhotep. Now, Moses is born 64 years after the death of Joseph, five years after Amenhotep comes to power. And, of course, Moses kills that Egyptian, flees Egypt 40 years later. The Exodus happens 40 more years after that. So it's 1447 B.C. Seventy people have now become 600,000 fighting men in those 215 years. That's a whole lot of kids they were having in Egypt. No wonder they scared them. So remember the four generations in the promise of Abraham. He said 430 years, and he said four generations. So your descendants will come back here. So remember from Jacob, he had his son Levi. Levi entered Egypt. His first son born, born, son was already born, Kohath. His son Amram was the father of Moses. All right, so we're talking Levi is just the great-grandfather of Moses. Hmm. So all the stuff that happens, the story that you think you know, there's a lot more to the story. Mm-hmm. And Passover isn't a history lesson on slavery like we know in America, all right? This is not roots. There's no Kunta Kinte. There's this 
entirely different story. So get the idea of slavery out of your mind. I remember when I went to Ghana the first time, I was just thinking so backwards and understanding that, that experience. But the Jews lived in Goshen in their own homes with flocks and herds and crops. They sacrificed their own lambs at Passover. They didn't steal them. Goshen was in the Nile Delta, the northern land. It was the best part of Egypt. And the Pharaoh of Joseph's day wanted his family, Joseph's family, to live in the main cities. But Joseph uh, kind of prophetically got them the land of Goshen by saying his family were shepherds, which were an abomination to the Egyptians. And Joseph served Pharaoh for 80 years, all right? So when Jacob's sons sold their brother Joseph into slavery, it was for money and a very common thing at the time. But God, of course, raised him up to become the second in command. So that's not usual in slavery. You very rarely go from slave to great in power. There's more to that story, too. Mm -hmm. So have you ever wondered why and how that whole story came about? Well, the interesting part is the pharaoh of Joseph's time was not an Egyptian. He was a Hyksos king. He was a Semite. His name was Salidus. And the the Hyksos were Canaanites. They were Semitics, not Egyptians. In other words, they were from the same land that Joseph was from, spoke the same language. Semites come from Shem, one of the sons of Noah. Uh, also, Canaanites, uh, Canaanites were descendants of Ham, another son of Noah. They both spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. So Abraham was a descendant of Shem. The Pharaoh was a descendant of Shem. They would have seen Joseph much more as a brother, not as an enemy or a foreigner. So even though he had to go through some suffering there, when he rose to power, it was much more of a comfortable thing. And God gave Joseph a strategy and a dream to deal with a famine that was coming on the land. And during the seven years of plenty, Pharaoh taxed the people 20%. That's the vision God gave them. And they would pay with their crops and Joseph would store up the grain in the name of Pharaoh. No, this is a lot of history, but you got to understand it. Then the next seven years, as they ran out of grain, he'd buy back their land and freedom, and he sold them back that same grain. And after those 14 years were done, when Joseph came to power, everyone in Egypt was essentially now a slave or a servant to Pharaoh, and he owned all the land, except for the Israelites in Goshen. So they were uh, uh, an unusual situation in Egypt. And so that's why you find them in the desert and they're always thinking, oh, I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to Egypt because mm -hmm. they were slaves, but it wasn't the kind of slavery you think about. And they certainly had taskmasters and it was hard and the labor that they had to do, but they also had an aspect of it that was very different than living in the desert. So by the time Moses came along, the Egyptians were mighty again, conquering all the way up through Canaan into Syria. They were a mighty people. The Egyptians now, back to power. The Hyksos were out of power. And they didn't realize, the Jews that is, didn't realize God had just delivered them. He did more than that. He destroyed one of the greatest enemies they would ever find and eliminated that threat altogether. And that's one of the things I want to look at you, want you to look at your life for this morning and say, what enemies are God destroying out of my life as I'm going through these situations? Am I just going through something, or is God destroying an enemy? Because our history shapes who we are. And Passover is an encounter with God's master plan. It's mm. resting in his, his hands, and it's letting his peace take control. Mm -hmm. It's asking for understanding, not complaining about situations. God uses situations to help reveal to us who our pharaohs are, then brings deliverance, cuts those little puppet strings so we can stop doing the things we really want to stop. And that's kind of where we're going this morning. But that's, I know, a very encapsulated piece of history. But grab on to that. Hold on tight.
This is just the beginning. It's Risenstein Ray Haynes teaching on Passover today. There's a link on the Risenstein Facebook page, the Victory Facebook page, and of course, it'll all be available to listen to not only on those pages and through the blog, but also victoryondemand.net. Part three coming up.